Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to On the Block. He's Strick and Austin Orman here. It is closing down on Thursday. Thursday, the time is definitely flying by. Beautiful day outside. The Royals are going nuts uh, on the on the uh, radio station. So this is where you'll find us on the stream today. We are live, and joining us on the stream yard line is Double A, Andrew Alex. What's going on, my friend? Drake, my guy. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful, man. Just a lot of a lot of stuff happening out there. Um, some topics we jumped in on. We'll, we'll probably do a bounce around, a shoot around, and just kind of tap in on, on a lot of different areas. But first and foremost, what was your ultimate thoughts about um, UConn and, and the way that they just handled business during this double this NCAA tournament? And, and give me your thoughts on FAU and what they would, you know, what the prospects of them of making another run next year. Well, Strick, I'll tell you this. First of all, I apologize for our, our inability to chat last week. I was in Chicago with the great Nathan Brennan. We were in a high-rise visiting a friend, and the high-rise made me lose cell phone service. But oh, yeah. I'm upset about it because I really wanted to talk about the Final Four going in and how impressed I was with Florida Atlantic because I think I had picked the final four pretty accurately last time we were in. And I think I picked FAU at the time as a joke, but I was right. Yeah. So good for me. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, on the topic of UConn, the team was about as hot of a basketball team as I've ever seen. And I think that given the nature of the tournament, given the seeds that they beat to win, you know, you're not in the conversation of best teams of all time. Certainly one of the most impressive runs of all time, just whomping every team in their path by double digits. And it's crazy to think, and I know that you guys out there in Nebraska are familiar with Big East basketball because of the proximity uh, to the great university that is Creighton, that this is a UConn team who, you know, came out the gate extremely hot. They got up to number two. And then during a 25-day period, Mm-hmm. From December 31st to January 25th, went two and six. Oh, from yeah. January 26th all the way to the end, they lost two more times after that. Yeah. And they never lost before. So it's so wild to see a team that we saw that dominant, you know, really hit that kind of hurdle that they did. And they, it speaks to the competition in the Big East. Right. I mean, I, I think it also speaks to, you know, the way that you, you put a team together and, you know, you'll get minor injuries, you get knocked up in the middle of the season. And also, you know, the transfer portal is just developing that chemistry. But ultimately, he did it. And when I say he, I, I mean Dan Hurley over there at UConn, in, in a way that is probably the most sustainable path forward in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's developing players over a span of years you get your core, you develop your core within your system, and then right when you feel like you're knocking on the door, you bring in those transfer guys who essentially, like, you feel compliment the guys that you ha- already have are good. Right. right. And that's exactly what UConn did. Right. So, more power to him. Credit to Dan Hurley. 
credit to the UConn basketball program as a whole, who I think really, uh, you know, can stake their claim in the Blue Blood conversation. I mean, they have as many championships as Duke. They have more than Kansas, and they have one less than Kentucky and North Carolina. Right. They, they, uh, I, I think the only difference is that, you know, UConn has had uh, a little bit of ups and downs, but that's still four championships in the 21st century. And I mean, like you know, four cha- five championships in strict was in the NBA, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're the most dominant team of recent memory. Yeah. At least when it comes to winning it all in the end. It's not like Duke and Kentucky and, and Kansas were, you know, they're just going to be written into the top 10 in the preseason and probably end up as a top three seed at least year in, year out. But I mean, the sky's the limit for this program right now. And really, uh, you know, my, my hat's off to them for uh, despite the obstacles they faced during the season. Uh, playing through it, getting better because it's not about how you play in January, but yeah. how you play in March. Boy, did they play well. That's big facts. Um, let's let's shift over and talk a little bit about the NBA right now. Um, in the NBA, which side of the first first question, which side of the conference is most scary for you right now, and why? The well, Eastern or well, West? I mean, Eastern or West? taking a look at the at the NBA here, it's tricky. Uh, first of all, I, I love the parody. I love the parody. But when we talk about championship contenders, I, I'm probably, uh, you know, more prone to say the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Just because between Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia, I see the three most likely championship contenders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for three of the four. I think that the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant, they've won six in a row and maybe they enter that conversation. I mean, obviously they've been like a championship caliber team for the last few years. Now they've added Kevin Durant. They kind of have to be, but I, and and, on the East coast, I, I don't know. I just, the Kings have no playoff experience. The Grizzlies with the John Morant saga, I just, they're such a well-rounded basketball team. I don't know if they're equipped to make a run. And, they don't play uh, yeah, very I, well on I, the I, road. I, they suck that? on the road. Like, that's what scares me about them. As good as they are at home, they just, to me, you know, somebody. And games under 500. Yeah. And games under 500 yes. on the road. Yes. That's what's that's what's weird for me about them. I think mean, they I don't know if it's they enjoy, you know, a uh, little fun and sun, sun and fun wherever they may be or whatever the case may be. But they stink on the road. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I just with the issues that we, we've seen with John, the drama there and their inconsistency and inability to win on the road, I, I, I just. I think that in the right situation, Kevin Durant is going to be able to have his way. And, and you know, Strick, with that being said, uh, I just think that the, the path really run, like, even though Phoenix might not have a home, it's like Phoenix or Denver, whereas on the East Coast, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, you could throw Cleveland in there. I, that, that was my sleeper. Cleveland's my sleeper. They're, they're like the ones that I think – that can just 
do some damage and get hot. If you're talking Eastern Conference, in the Western oh, yeah. Conference, my sleeper is Golden State. Like with the return of Wiggins, if Wiggins can get back to form, like he gave them last year, and if they can, you know, somehow get Gary Payton the second healthy, then you're looking at a similar team that you pretty much had last year uh, to make a run. So they could be dangerous sitting there just at that sixth spot. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, I think anyone would be, would be foolish to sleep on that. With, with Cleveland, it's like, this might not be their year, uh, but I, they're set up to be good for so long. Uh, with Golden State, like you said, you throw Wiggins back into the mix. I mean, that's a team that just won a championship. Team yeah. that just won a championship. So it, it, at the end of the day, the NBA playoffs are about making the playoffs. And, you know, though Golden State's had their ups and downs, I, I don't think that, I mean, let's just say that there's a sixth seed now, right? And, and they're playing Sacramento in the first round. Right. I like uh, where do you right. think Vegas goes? Right. Vegas goes on that, right? Exactly. <laughs> what one quick uh one quick buy or sell. It's it's a double buy or sell. Uh buy or sell the Mavericks sneak in and buy or sell that the Mavericks uh keep Kyrie Irving. Uh I mean the Kyrie Irving experiment has not been a, a tremendous one for the for the Dallas Mavericks right now. I, I think it's like a lot of people scratching their head. There's two two on ball guys, two on ball guys, and I think it's just done more harm to the chemistry of that team than good. As bad as their sporting cast was before, so I'm gonna oh. Let me see where they are in the standings. They're 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 right there tied with Oklahoma City, same record, um, thirty eight and forty two. But I think Oklahoma has the tiebreaker against them. Uh, okay, so when we say when we say sneak in, do we mean like get into the yeah? Do they get into the playoffs? Do they get into the do they get into the play? I I don't think they would advance past past the play in, but um, yeah. So I, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and buy that they'll get into the play in because they have more incentive to win than. The Thunder, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the Thunder, go, go get a lottery pick and keep adding right. the stockpile of young talent that you have. Whereas, you know, Mavericks are kind of like, well, you know what? We have Luka Doncic. Just put us in there and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll buy them getting in, sell them advancing through, and certainly sell them uh, hanging on to Kyrie Irving, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I, I've known Kyrie for my entire life. He is, I mean, he's like a bit older than me, but I remember watching him in high school. You know, my dad's a Duke alum. I remember watching him at Duke, obviously early on in the NBA, playing alongside uh, LeBron James, who was tremendous. But uh, I don't know. He, he's got to do a little bit of self-reflection at some point. I, I hope for the best for him. All right. Andrew, switching gears another time here to, to spring football out there in uh, Blacksburg. Year two with Brent Pry. What, what was on the, the docket for improvement this spring? <laughs> well, you know what? Everything. Uh, because, uh, you know, when you have the lowest uh, offensive power five, you guys all watched Iowa play football last year. You saw Iowa play offense. Yeah, we actually were worse. We were actually Ooh. worse than that. So at this point, you know, we have the returning starter at quarterback. We have uh, transfer Kyron Drones, former four-star guy from Baylor, one of the better quarterbacks in the portal. They're duking it out uh, at pretty much every skill position on the offensive side of the ball. is just a completely new cast of characters. Transfers coming in, Ali Jennings from Old Dominion, who was at West Virginia before that. 
Uh, he projects to possibly be one of the best wide receivers in the ACC. The Virginia Tech didn't have last year. A couple other guys around him, and you hope that uh, some of the younger talent can elevate itself, battle at the running back position. But ultimately, like, this was a team that, you know, we're not super talented last year. You know, it has happened uh, when a, you have a coaching change. Sometimes the cupboard is, is left a little bit bare for year one. So I'm not here to, like, sound any kind of alarms uh, just yet. But, you know, ultimately, uh, we just want to see steady improvement, uh, you know, hopefully be able to get back into a bowl game. I think that if they do not get back into the bowl game, which would mean they would have their second losing season in a row, which would be the, uh, you know, two losing seasons that we've had in the last 30 some odd years. So we might be sounding the alarms at that point, but I think it's, uh, it's time for Tyler Bowen and that offensive group to uh, really try to get it together and make some strides because it was incredibly painful, like pulling teeth to watch them try to, you know, advance the football forward last year. And it can't be like that this year, especially with, uh, you know, some of the, some of the young talent they have coming back on the defensive side of the ball. I think the defense should be fine. And Brett Bryant is the defensive coach, so I have trust in that. But it's getting the offense going and, and for the staff as a whole, uh, game management, game management, just generally. There were some gaps there, uh, you know, for the team in, in general, way too many penalties, most penalties committed in the ACC by like extremely large margin. It was once again painful to watch. So they need spring practice about as much as any team in the country, guys. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it up to the spring game next week. It's been the first one I've missed in like 10 years. But uh, I'll be interested to, you know, check out the, the film afterwards and uh, see how these guys look because the team has a lot, a lot of questions. And uh, hopefully some of them will be answered here shortly. How have the team potential recruits and the fans responded to, to Brent Pry in his first offseason as head coach? Uh, I mean, I think the, the recruiting has been fine. The goal was to, I mean, obviously, you know, recruiting is a multi-year process. And, and you know, you're on some of these kids uh, beginning their, their sophomore year. So it's, uh, it, you're kind of coming in late in the game. They were able to make a bit of a splash, you know, a bit of improvement. Uh, I think the recruiting is going to be fine. This upcoming class is going to be even bigger for Virginia Tech. Um, I think that's where on the recruiting trail we really expect him to take another step forward. Uh, on the other side of the equation, the fans, I mean, like, Virginia Tech fans are as irrational as, uh, you know, any college football fan base. But <laughs> I, I give them credit. Most of them are not sounding the alarms just yet. That's why this is a big year, because, again, if they don't show some kind of improvement, if they're going out there and, you know, a lot of the games Tech played last year, it really was glaringly obvious in the first half that they didn't have a chance to win. Though the team improved over the course of the year, it, there were games in the second half of the season where, you know, they, they shot themselves in the foot. And when you're shooting yourself in the foot constantly – you blame that on coaching. So hopefully we don't see that this year. I think the, you know, the, the fan base's expectations are, are tempered. They just want a team uh, that they could be proud of again. And they, I think most know that that's not going to happen overnight. But uh, so, yeah, no one's gone through his head just yet, despite the fact that, uh, you know, year one wasn't, I mean, again, it was the worst season they've had in like 30 some odd years. So no one was super happy about it, but, I feel like a lot of people still feel like he you know, has the coaching chops 
and you know the right personality to lead the program. And uh, I, I think that they're going to keep the pace. But again, if things don't improve, uh, you know, come December, we could be having a different conversation. Uh, a few last things. Um, I, I found a couple of things interesting. One, um, what's your what's your thoughts on Hunter Silas and him going into the transfer portal? Um, and also the oddity for me of Ryan Nimhart jumping into the transfer portal. So we're going to talk a little bit about some Nebraska kids, uh, being that you're at 247 Sports. We have uh, uh, Andrew Alex uh, joining us on the line from 247 Sports. So uh, been looking over the transfer portal. And then lastly, um, a, a target for Nebraska was Jamison Battle out of Minnesota, who finds himself um, – going over to Ohio state. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's interesting to me, but, you know, you, you kind of had a losing program and, uh, they didn't do too well. They don't look to have like this crazy upside to me based on anything that they have. I could be wrong, but, um, what, what's your thoughts on those, those three young men and, and, and the pro the prospects of possibly, um, where they could go or what would be a good fit for them stylistically so forth and so on. Uh, yes, Rick. And, and, you know, the specifics on each individual, obviously, like I wish I was plugged into those conversations in the living room. But ultimately, you know, for Nebraska kids like a Hunter Salas, like it's going to come down to conversations about style of play, where he fits, where he feels like, like he could be, uh, you know, most elevated within his game. And, and I, I think the hometown factor plays a role. Obviously, you know, Gonzaga is a tough place to get some action. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very talented team. And, you know, the reality in 2023 is when you're a talented basketball player, you're not seeing the court well, you're going to, you know, adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what certain universities can promise, right? Like, you know, if I'm Hunter Salas and I go and I'm having that conversation with, say, uh, you know, Coach McDermott over at Creighton. It, it, is being in Omaha enough? Like, probably not. It, it, it probably is going to have to require a coach to lay out that vision yeah, yeah. for what it, what, what it looks like for you. And, and quite frankly, you know, sometimes it, it, it doesn't work out. And that's why, you know, the, the transfer portal, give it the transfer portal, take it away. And I, I love these kids' opportunities to move forward. But I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example of something that just happened because I have to work this in somehow to bring this up. But Ashley Awusu on the woman's side was an All-American at Maryland. Uh, for whatever reason, she was dissatisfied with Maryland despite the fact that she was getting a lot of playing time. Mm -hmm. She transferred to Virginia Tech. She gets injured in the beginning of the season. And you know, there's other things that I'm sure play into it. Some people think she was out of shape this, that, or the other. But ultimately, Virginia Tech gets hot. They start going on a run, and they kind of developed a style of play that was working without her. So ultimately, come the Final Four, you have this girl who was like the transfer that was supposed to change everything. And, you know, through the ACC tournament run, through the March Madness run, and they didn't lose a game in the entire month of February prior. All of that, she, like, really was riding pot, like, not even in the rotation. Like, yeah. it sucks. But yeah. the coach's job is to put the team in the best position to win the game. Right. And so you have people who aren't necessarily going to see the court, despite whether they're talented, because, you know, it's what brings the team together. So that's why, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard for anyone. I, I think it's hard for 
a player to make a decision when you're coming out of a situation where you didn't feel like you had it and you have to look at the team and be like, where do I fit in here? But of course, everyone also wants to be on the national stage and everyone also wants to win. So right, right. I'll be watching those names in a big way. And I'm sure that, you know, you're, you're hoping for a, uh, you know, a guy like Salas to make a trip about 45 minutes south of his hometown <laughs> and hang out in Lincoln. I think that that could be something for a Nebraska team that obviously uh, picked up a lot of steam at the end of the year. I mean, that could be a, an instant jolt. That could be an instant jolt. And you look at Kansas State and, like, you know, you could, you can change your program on an instant jolt. Like, no one on that Kansas State Elite Eight team uh, was even a, a member. Right. Uh, like, you didn't, you know, they didn't even start their career there. So it's like, really, yeah, it's great for off-season content, I'll tell you that much, because it's the shuffle, but it also makes things, you know, so, so hard to project. But credit to FAU. Everyone on FAU, except for one kid who I think played one season, the tall tall Russian guy, played one season at Texas Tech before transferring two years ago. But FAU was FAU's exact same team from last year. They just got coached up, and they got better, and more power to them. So shout-out to FAU, and shout-out to my Virginia Tech women's basketball team, First Final Four in school history, Liz Kitley, Georgia Amor, Kayla King, all coming back. Going to do it again. Love it. Love it. Great stuff, Andrew Alex. Thank you so much for showing up today. I know and understand that when you get with the uh, the Hokey, uh, the Hokey, Homer, Homer Hokey, uh, Hokey in uh, our guy, our favorite guy, you, you know, <laughs> he ain't my favorite because he still owes me some stricken. But we know when you get with him, <laughs> Uh, we know it, it, you know, time just kind of, just kind of gets, gets by you a little bit. And, um, but we appreciate you as always two, four, seven, Andrew, Alex, thanks for joining us on the block. Thank you, Strick. You should have seen me and Nathan in a bar in Chicago cheering for Virginia Tech women's basketball. People might've thought we were crazy, but, uh, you know, always a good time with you guys. And I, and I thank the big Homer goofball for, uh, introducing us so we can do this every week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. We'll hope to talk to you again next week. That is Andrew Alex, 247 Sports, joining us on the block. We'll be right back, 24, uh, 93.7 The Ticket. We are on the block. We'll be right back.